0: in John's day Apostle John there were some who were getting pulled into Gnosticism secret revelations that were not able to be understood by the unenlightened you know they had a whole, they had whole little communities where they went and, and separated from the rest of the body because they were more enlightened uh And uh, they had secret knowledge and all that. We need to understand that God operates in the light. And things that have to be hidden in secrecy often get contaminated by demonic whispers and voices. And uh, the Gnostics consider themselves mystics, if you will, having received special revelation... Uh, while they were isolated from the rest of the body, separated unto themselves and uh so in the lord's in the lord's wisdom, he raised up a mystic to confront their deceptive lies with truth and I would consider the apostle John a mystic he had he had a deep contemplative life of prayer and meditation and it was clear in the way that he communicated and so God raises up somebody who understands and identifies with that mindset and with that way of thinking and 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 inspires him to speak words to undo some of the lies that were being perpetrated by that movement and uh, and I want to I want to get into some of that and first John chapter five beginning in verse 6, it says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it's the the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. And so when Jesus came, came, the Spirit bore witness of him, And the spirit bears witness by water and blood. And uh, Jesus frequently spoke of living water that we drink and that flows out of the inside of believers. He said, he who believes in me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And, you know, we, in the evangelical church of the west have been so conditioned by programmed religious services and mental exercises that we've kind of pushed all of that away as metaphoric rather than realizing that these are actually spiritual realities Scripture tells us in Revelation 12 that the believers overcome the accuser of the brethren by Jesus' blood, by their testimony, and by surrendering their lives even unto death. And the last part of that, the American church is beginning, to, in the beginning stages of coming to grips with now. That surrender to Jesus doesn't mean adding him to our collection. And giving him a couple hours a week on Sunday morning and the rest of our life is ours to do as we wish. As long as there's nothing required that brings us out of our comfort zone. And uh, you know, we all got to start somewhere and if that's where we start, that's fine. But that's not okay. That's, it's not okay for us to stay there the rest of our life. Jesus wants total surrender. Now, when I started serving the Lord, I, you know, I was a broken mess, and so I kind of had an advantage over some of you. Some of you who never were, whose lives never were the mess that mine was in. Uh, you know, it was easier for you to come to Christ. Maybe it was easier for you to uh, to make a commitment to Him. But when I made a commitment to Him, um, He was all I had. I was in a deep, dark dungeon, and when Jesus intervened in my life, he took me from a very dark place into a a place that was full of light. And the transition from here to there was profound. And it was profound for me, and it was profound for everyone who knew me, because people who knew me knew how dark I was. And, and and the transition from that dungeon into a new reality, for me, was very profound. Uh, and, I, and I understand that a lot of people don't come that way. You know, they kind of make a commitment to Christ in their childhood, and then they kind of get more serious as life goes on. But, but the Lord is really raising the bar on our commitment to Him. And I think uh, the pandemic... The p- pandemic... Uh, kind of brought a lot of that to the surface for God's people and helped us to understand um, the cost that we need to be willing to pay to be a true disciple. And it needs to be unto death. We need to be willing to give our life, not just, oh yeah, Jesus, I'm willing to live for you. Um, But if we're truly willing to live for him, then we're also willing to die for him. And understanding that it's a place of honor if it would ever be required of any of us to give our life for Jesus. And that's not something that should fear in our hearts. That's something that should actually wake up the warrior in all of us. Yes, I'm willing to serve Jesus even if it means that it takes my life someday in the process. That's okay. Because I will never deny him. I will never turn my back on him. I will never knowingly betray him because he gave his life for me. It's a small thing for, give, for me to give my whole life to him in return. Amen? The, the, the three persons of the Godhead bear witness in heaven. Um. Verse 7 says, there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these are one. These three are one. So the three persons of the Godhead bear witness in heaven, the Father, Jesus, the eternal Word, and the Holy Spirit. And the word, Word there is Logos. The Logos is Jesus, the personified word of God in his eternal reality. Glorified. Eyes of fire. Feet like bronze. A two-edged sword in his mouth. Full of eternal splendor. That's the Logos of God. He came to earth as Ramah. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. The Logos became Rhema and dwelled among us. To meet us at the point of our need. If the Lord would have sent the Logos to earth, it would have fried us to come into his presence. But Jesus is the transformer that took that high voltage and transformed it down to a current level that we can actually plug our appliances in and it's useful for it. He meet, he came to meet us at the point of our need. I'm trying to give you a picture of what that might, something we can relate to. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, it's the Logos of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, and uh, so... Sorry to the faith teachers that taught that the Logos is the written word and the Rhema is the spoken word. That's actually a a misinterpretation. The Logos is the eternal, majestic, glorified Jesus, the eternal word of God. And the Rhema is Jesus come to earth to meet us at the point of our need. And the Rhema is a word that meets us where we are even in the middle of our mess. He was born in a stable, surrounded by animals, a picture of how he comes to each of us. He's born right in the midst of our mess, surrounded by all our critters, humble and lowly to meet us where we are. Many of you know what I'm talking about. Jesus came right in the middle of your mess to meet you. He didn't expect you to come up to his level first. He came down to where you were. That's the Logos becoming Rhema. But now the, the Rhema who manifested and still manifests to hungry, seeking hearts everywhere, where our need is, he manifested where our need is, is in heaven eternally glorified as the Logos of God. If of you would like to debate that at some point in scripture, I'd be happy to sit down and debate it with you, because um, I know I'm kicking a sacred cow there, but sacred cows make gourmet hamburger, right? <laughs> there are three who bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. So there are three tangible, if you will, substances that bear witness of Jesus and what he's saying to the Holy Spirit's inspiration, uh, by the Holy Spirit's inspiration and anointing on earth. The Spirit, the breath of God, the wind of God, who releases us from oppression with fresh winds of revelation, Fresh manifestations of heaven's power is a reality of what Holy Spirit brings to us, brings to the church. Uh, I'm feeling a wind blowing on me right now. Often when Holy Spirit is manifesting, I'll feel the wind of God. So, I remember, I remember one night we were praying for somebody years ago uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, uh, it was, it was a guy thing. We were still in the guy culture back then. And, uh, so Amanda was in the house taking a nap while we were out in the, in the prayer room praying. And, uh, that's just where we were at that time. You know, that was our culture. And, uh, and, and sure enough, this guy we were praying for got baptized in the Holy Spirit powerfully filled with the Holy Spirit, spoken tongues, the whole, the whole bit. And, uh, And so, after the meeting was over, we uh, woke up Amanda, and she came out, and we went in the car to go home. So she asked, "What happened?" I told her. She said, "What time did he, did he, uh, was he filled with the Holy Spirit?" And I told her. She said, "Well, right at that time, a wind came and shook the house. See, that's the that's the breath of the Holy. That's the Spirit. The breath, the, the wind of the Spirit that manifests." And, and the reason I'm telling you this stuff is because we're going to see more and more of these kinds of witnesses appearing when we come together. Because God's, God isn't getting ready to encounter us in ways that we're not necessarily accustomed to, but we're hungry for. How many of you are hungry for, for God to manifest himself in your presence? And, 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 and just so you know, he's not only going to do that here, he's going to do that around you. Because you're going to get, you're going to get so marinated in the presence of God that those kinds of manifestations are going to tend to happen when you're in the grocery store and you come close to somebody that has a need or whatever in your workplace because you get to carry the tangible presence of God with you and that's not something spooky that's, that's the real deal on the, day of, on the day of Pentecost the spirit came so forcefully that it or he it's really a substance of the spirit, but if you prefer to call it a he, that's fine, uh, was like a mighty rushing wind, so powerful that a church that would shake the nations was birthed by that force in one day. In one day, a mighty rushing wind came and, and birthed a church into power that shook the nations of the earth. And what do you say to that? Do it again, Lord. Amen? I want to get some t-shirts made that say dial. Do it again, Lord. When God does something magnificent, do it again, Lord. I said do it again when I was down in Peru and we were on the river and an 18-inch fish jumped in the boat. We were on the Amazon going back to where we come from. And I just spontaneously said, do it again, Lord, and two more fish jumped in the boat. (laughs) <laughs> Twice as many, and they were a different kind than the first one, so there wasn't just something weird about that kind of fish jumping that day. So I thought later, why didn't I say it again and again and again? You know, maybe maybe there've been four and then eight, and who knows? Maybe we could have filled the boat up. I don't know. In Ephesians four, verse fourteen. And 15, it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So the winds of God reveal fresh truth that must then be grounded, established, into the overall context of Scripture and what God is saying today. I used to think winds of, winds of doctrine were evil. But it doesn't say that. It just says we shouldn't be th- uh, thrown about by those things. Well, so when the Holy Spirit is revealing fresh truth, don't let that thing take you into a ditch. Which, which happens a lot. Don't let that thing take you away from the body of Christ, which happens a lot, into places of division and separation. But get what you need to out of the fresh light that God is showing and, and, and build it into the overall context of what God has said and what he's saying today. And don't ride that pony out into the wilderness. Does that make sense? And so we need to be open to fresh revelation, fresh understanding, uh, fresh, like Peter said, present truth being revealed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, But it must be spoken in love so the body can continue to grow and mature into Christ the head and not be twisted by people with impure motives into a secret doctrine that separates, divides the body that Jesus gave his life for. Jesus also spoke of the living water that flows out of the inside of those who believe in him. In Jude, we're warned of false teachers who are clouds without water. May all of us be clouds that carry water that can go into a a desolate place and release a fresh outpouring of refreshing rain from heaven into parched and, and, and thirsty ground. Because a lot of the hearts of God's people are in that condition today. So these clouds without water, they blow into your life and they tear things up and they bring confusion and fear, but they don't water and nurture what God has planted. So, the water of life often flows powerfully as a visitation of heaven comes, seeping into people's lives, watering their thirsty souls, refreshing them where they're tired and worn out. You know, think about uh, when Jesus said, Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And then think about the woman with the issue of blood. Fighting her way through the crowd, touching the hem of his garment, and Jesus feels something flowing out of him. Would that all of us carried a fountain of living water inside of us that hungry, desperate people can reach out and touch and receive life from. And it's not about us, it's about Jesus. It's the one who lives in us. He also spoke about the blood. And he said that unless we drink of his blood and eat of his flesh, we have no life in us. There are three that bear witness in the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. Then he shed his blood for us on the cross. And we received his blood for cleansing and for redemption of all that's been lost. God wants to redeem all that's been lost doesn't mean it's going to come back looking the same way it did when you lost it but he wants to redeem everything that's been lost you know when joshua took the children of israel over the jordan it says there was a flood the jordan was flooded and all the way to adam there was a town called adam and that's how far that flood extended when the waters parted god opened up a path of restoration all the way back to adam Everything that was lost when we fell away in our first father, Adam, God wants to restore us back to. In, in, uh, in Acts chapter 3, they talked about the times of refreshing that would come from the presence of the Father, right? Um, and, uh, and the restoration of all things. So God wants to restore everything that's been lost. Now, for some of you, you don't, you, you can't even imagine what that might look like because you've lost some really significant stuff. Some of you have had relationships that were lost that were so disappointing and went so deep, cut so deep into your lives that you're like, "How could that ever be restored?" We'll, we'll give up your need to know how. And just know that God wants to restore what's been lost. Let him figure out how that's going to look for you. But he wants to heal you of disappointment. He wants to restore what's been lost. He wants to bring you into a place where you experientially live out Romans 8.28. Recognize that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. You may have some really terrible things around your life sometimes, but you need to know that God works all things together for good. He'll use even those negative things in our life to work good for you. Amen? When you're submitted to him, when you're allowing him to have his way in your life, he'll do amazing things in you and through you in those times. So the enemy empowers his evil works with the blood of innocence. For example, abortion. And we, the body of Christ, need to come into a fresh understanding of the power of Jesus' blood to overcome that. They overcame him, how? By the blood of the Lamb. Well, how do we overcome by the blood of the Lamb? Well, first of all, by understanding the power of it. It's God's nuclear weapon. The only perfect sacrifice ever was Jesus. The only truly innocent blood that was ever spilled was Jesus' blood. It's heaven's answer to Satan's agenda to cancel out every satanic work that is being empowered by his version of innocent bloodshed. You know, the most innocent blood the workers of darkness can find is that of babies. Or children or virgins. That's that's what they're after, is finding blood that's as innocent as they can find to empower their evil works. You need to understand there's a demonic, there's a very satanic agenda behind the abortion industry. And if that is can ever be overruled, they're going to lose so much momentum because there's no longer all the blood of the babies empowering their satanic works. Okay. The problem for them is this. Even babies who have never committed a sin have sin in their bloodline. So there is no completely innocent pure blood except for the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus trumps every other blood sacrifice. His perfect sacrifice and his innocent blood was offered up once for all. Now, in the other kingdom, they have to keep offering things up to empower a satanic agenda. You know, for every supernatural intervention in the affairs of men, there must be a sacrifice. And so they have to keep sacrificing, keep keep shedding more blood, more blood. Uh, You would be amazed at every time there's really dark satanic legislation passed, how much blood is being offered up behind the scenes to empower it? That's, that's, that kind of evil doesn't come from human imagination. That is demonic in its origin and empowered by innocent bloodshed. In the other kingdom, there's a fountain that's filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, like the old song says. There's a blood that's so pure, so holy, so clean, and so powerful that it can cancel out every satanic agenda, every satanic work, and cancel out every satanic sacrifice that's being offered up. And once we truly get that, we're going to be an unstoppable force. Once we truly understand the power of Jesus' blood, the trump, and to cancel out every other sacrifice, we'll be an unstoppable force. Because that blood is heaven's answer to all that Satan is trying to accomplish. As a young believer, I was in prayer one day, and I found myself standing under the cross, and water and blood were pouring all over me. You know, and in the natural, that sounds a little gross, right? But it was the most cleansing, the most freeing experience. I felt like my heart and my soul were just being so cleansed and so washed. All of you who have lost stuff, all of you who have suffered devastation and disappointment. I, I want you to know that heaven has an answer for that, and that the blood of Jesus is able to overcome and overpower and cancel out. And, and, and I would like to ask all of you to just make it a point of prayer. Lord, show me a revelation of the power of Jesus' blood. And how to use Jesus' blood to overcome every assignment against me, every assignment against my family, every assignment of oppression and depression. If, if Satan can get the minds of our people, he's already winning battles if there's an agenda behind the pharmaceutical industry it's to cloud the minds of people so they can't think clearly that's the real agenda that's the that's the spirit of sorcery that's behind the pharmaceutical industry if you if you need medication in order to live i'm not saying anything against you what i'm saying is uh, when it when it says when it talks about sorcerers being cast into the lake of fire, um, the word is pharma, pharmacia. There's there's a there's a link between the pharmaceutical industry and a spirit of sorcery that wants to rob people of their ability to think clearly and get revelation from heaven and operate in divine inspiration. And, and if there's a pony, I'll ride it, it's that one because I hate to see people being robbed of the clarity of their minds and their ability to think clearly. And, and, and one reason why it's so real to me is it's not just information for me, it's personal experience because I lived for seven years in that fog of having my brain clouded by drugs to where I couldn't think clearly, to where I forget stuff all the time. Now, I just forget your name. That's part of getting older, I guess. I just happens. I'm not sure. Um, what's my name? For any of your family that is being hit with depression? Uh, With with darkness, uh, with everything else that comes out of the enemy infiltrating people's minds and getting them to think uh, in ways that are not healthy, that are not life-producing, that are destructive to family and all of that, be praying for a revelation of the power of the blood of Jesus and how you can apply it to those situations to cancel out the enemy's assignments, to bring clarity back to people's minds. You know, I don't know if you've been to Walmart lately. I don't go any more often than I need to, but when you, when you, when you go and you just really look at people and watch them and you know the signs, I, it feels like half the country's in a fog in a stupor and and some of it's probably illegal drugs a lot of it's legal drugs people can't think clearly because they're so over medicated and it's part of satan's agenda to rob people of their sound mind because god's army can never do what they're assigned to do when their mind is in a fog we're going to get ready to receive communion Um, But I want to pray a prayer on behalf of all of us. If we can stand. And I'd just like to pray over all of us. Lord, when you brought... several million slaves out of Egypt... You called them your army. They didn't know it yet, but that's what you saw. And not all of us realize yet that we are the army of the Lord. And that there's a warrior hidden inside of us, starting to wake up, starting to find his footing, his or her footing. It's not just a his, it's a hers, too. Starting to find his or her footing. Starting to discover their weapons. Starting to discover their what makes them powerful. Starting to discover permission to become who they really are. Starting to recognize that there's battle lines being drawn. Starting to realize that they don't have to find some anointed man or woman of God to fight battles that they are empowered to fight and overcome themselves. And so today, Father, I ask for an impartation of faith to be released into the hearts of all of your people. For any of our minds that have been in a stupor, I break that off in Jesus' name. I command clarity to be restored to every mind in Jesus' name. And I ask, Father, that you would empower all the sons and daughters of the Lord to release their families from anything that's been robbing them of joy, anything that's been robbing them of a sound mind, that fog would be lifted off of people's minds and hearts in Jesus' name, that spirits of division and and conflict... uh, would be broken in Jesus' name off of every family. And I just ask, Father, for a, a time of restoration of all things. We, some of us have family members who's, who've been devastated by, by stuff messing with their minds and not allowing them to think clearly, not allowing them to operate in peace, not allowing them to operate... Uh, in in the, the the health in every dimension that you have for them, so Father, we're asking for an invasion right now. Uh, I, just, I just feel like I need to ask you to do this. Lift, uh, put your hands out, Father God. I ask that you would anoint these hands for breakthrough. that you would anoint these hands for breakthrough. Holy Spirit, let the oil of heaven fall on these hands and anoint them as weapons of war. Anoint them to break chains. Anoint them to release peace. Anoint them to release love that overcomes fear. Anoint them to release faith. Lord sometimes without people even knowing without them even knowing what we're doing let it as we put a hand on their shoulder or their on their hand let something like a jolt of electricity be released to break chains and to set people free and to open blinded minds and to release peace in Jesus name Lord it's not okay with us that we have loved ones that are tormented by mental illness and depression and schizophrenia and whatever conditions there are, conditions that keep people in perpetual sickness because of, of how their mind convinces them of, that they're sick all the time of one thing after another. Father, whatever those things are, we ask that you would anoint our hands because you said that those who believe would lay hands on the sick and the sick would recover. Let that be us now and from now on in Jesus' name. Would you wake up your army, Lord, and, and, and begin to give us our marching orders? <clears throat> begin to instruct us on our weapons. Begin to instruct us on how to use the blood of Jesus to release into situations where the enemy's had his way. How to cancel out uh, assignments of darkness that have oppressed people, people and kept them enslaved in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that not one person would sit back and say, I'm waiting for somebody else to do this. I need some great anointed man or woman of God to come into the situation, but let us, every one of us realize that we are that. That we are God's answer. That there's no second-rate kids in the father's family. That we're all sons and daughters. That we all have the power that you release to all of your sons and daughters to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead, that that power is resident in all of us. We just need to be woken up to the reality. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do that in Jesus' name. And as we, as we eat this bread today, and as we drink this blood, I'm not trying to gross you out. I'm just telling you that in the spirit, you're drinking the blood of Jesus when you drink the wine or the juice. That you're canceling out Every assignment of darkness against you and your family. With the superior sacrifice of the blood of Jesus. Superior sacrifice. Some of, some of you guys have had spirit, uh, uh, assignments of insanity in your family bloodlines. Those things need to be broken in Jesus' name. The enemy is, does not deserve to have access to our families anymore. You know, I'm seeing some stuff happening in my family. I want it released into everybody's family. People that you've been praying and believing and hope, in some some cases just hoping for, for a long time. Let let you begin to see those things. Let them begin to reach out to you and say, hey, would you pray for me? I I just have a, a sense that if you pray for me, things will begin to shift and change. And you begin to believe that God wants to use you to do it. God wants to use you to do it. Your prayer is powerful. In the name of Jesus, you have the power to break chains and to set people free. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, Father, we bless, we bless this bread. We bless the wine, the juice. We thank you for fresh revelation as we, as we receive it. We do it in remembrance of you, Jesus, and what it costs you to empower us to be the sons and daughters of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.